I've asked Bev to play a little tune for us and see if you can recognize this tune. you want to dance, doesn't it? <laughs> What's that tune? Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. The Apostle Paul talks about that good old-time religion, the good old Christian life, and he adds the fact that life can be a struggle at some times. At times, life is just kind of a mess. And that's why it's so important for us to cling to our faith as followers of Jesus Christ. You see, as Christians, we all need to be armed. We need God's old-fashioned supernatural power as we go through life. And we need the strength that only God can give us. You know, last week, Tyler mentioned that over the next few weeks before Ash Wednesday, he's going to be leading us in looking at the Gospel of John and what it means to be called as a follower of Jesus Christ. And I think that part of understanding what it means to follow Christ involves understanding the fact that we need God's protection as we face the battles of life. You and I need the armor of God. The early disciples of Christ knew that fact. And so should we. Paul knew that, he knew that follow, Christ followers need God's help in the battles of life. So listen to what Paul says about it in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. But before we do that, please pray with me. Guide us, O God, by your word and by your spirit, that as we hear these words of Paul, we might see your light and find wisdom to live our lives in faithful obedience. Open our ears and our hearts to everything that you would say to us today. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. The Apostle Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on the evil day and having prevailed against everything to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and built your waist with truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness and lace up your sandals in preparation for the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me so that when I speak a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, football season is coming to an end. And for the Texans, I think that's probably a good thing. I love the story about a football team that was losing the final game of the season. And as a gesture of goodwill, the coach decided that he was going to put in all of the seniors for the last play of the game so that they could end their college careers on the playing field. Well, he told the despairing quarterback to call whatever play he wanted since they were 80 yards from the end zone and they had zero chance of scoring. Well, the team huddled together and to the surprise of his teammates, the quarterback called play number 13. It was a trick play that they had never used before in a game, but it was never used for a reason because it never worked in practice. But the impossible happened. And this time, play 13 worked. And they scored the touchdown and they won the game by one point. Needless to say, the team went wild and they carried the quarterback off the field on their shoulders and And later on in the locker room, the coach asked the quarterback, why in the world did you call play 13? And the quarterback answered, well, we were in the middle of the huddle. And I looked over and I saw old Harry with tears running down his cheeks. And it was the last college game and we were losing. And I saw that big number eight on his chest. And then I looked over at Ralph, and tears were running down his cheeks too, and I saw that big number seven on his jersey. So in honor of those two heartbroken seniors, I added eight and seven together and called play 13. (laughs) But son, the coach said, eight and seven don't add up to 13. And the quarterback reflected for a moment and answered with a smirk, You're right, coach. And if I was as smart as you, we would have lost the game. (laughs) I, I love that story for one reason. Because it reminds us that the correct answers aren't always the right answers. Especially when it comes to matters of faith. You see, there are times when reason and cleverness don't count for much. Sometimes the right answers are answers that just don't add up. Sometimes the neat, rational approach to things just doesn't lead us to the answers that we need as we struggle with life as followers of Jesus Christ. 
A father one time asked his son to get out of the car and tell him if the turning signals on the family car were working. So his son got out of the car, walked to the front, and shouted back to his father, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Now, isn't that the way that life works sometimes? And isn't that the way that sometimes our prayers work? And I don't know about you, but God doesn't always answer Yes, to every prayer that I pray. You see, pastors don't have an in to God any more than lay folks. It seems like God has the pattern of answering yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And so we struggle in life, don't we? And we hunger for a deeper relationship with this God who says in his word, that he loves us. You know, lots of people hunger for different things in today's world. For instance, some people hunger for passion. They want to be passionately alive and passionately aware and passionately in love with nature and passionately in love with the significant others in their lives. But God often says no. And it leaves us with the awareness of this deadening effect that that kind of living can have on the people around us. We see it in the deadpan faces of those watching television. We sense it in children who have lost their sense of wonder. We recognize it in the men and women we see on the evening news when trials are held and verdicts are announced and we hear the words, the defendant showed no motion, emotion. My friends, I'm afraid that we're learning to be indifferent to the world around us, to ignore the televised deaths of the children in the third world. We've become desensitized when it comes to all of those horror images that we see on the evening news and read about in the newspapers. It's sad, but people have learned to minimize the impact of someone else's pain, someone else's anguishes, someone else's problems. We have learned to reject any sense of guilt and wonder in favor of an empirical approach to life. And sadly, if Jesus appeared Today, and he walked on the water, we'd all dismiss it as computer graphics. After all, no one can really walk on water, or so the world tells us. Postmodern thought leads us to skepticism. We become a nation of doubters. You can see it all around us. We question everything and everyone in today's world. No one is exempt, our leaders, our friends, our neighbors. Postmodernism has taught us to be pessimistic and to be skeptical. Haven't you noticed it? It's all around us, and it's affecting the church. So as followers of Jesus Christ, how do we cling to that old-time religion in a postmodern world? Paul tells us, that it's simple. Put on the armor of God. Get 
ready to wrestle, to wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the age, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. There was a father one time who, was, who got tired of reading the same old bedtime story to his daughter every night. And so thinking that he'd be smart, he decided that he would tape record the story and just turn on the tape recorder every night at bedtime and leave his daughter's room. Well, that was okay for a couple of nights. And then his daughter said to him, Daddy, I don't like that tape recorder. I need someone with skin on. Now, in a world filled with battles, Paul says that we need someone. We need someone, and that someone is Jesus Christ. My friends, when you're faced with the forces beyond your control and you're facing the battles of life, remember to be strong in the Lord and put on the whole armor of God. Now, let's take a closer look at what Paul is telling us here. Now, in the first half of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, Paul prayed that his readers would come to know the power of God which was demonstrated in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that power is also demonstrated in in a Christian's conversion. When a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they choose to follow him, that person is converted from the deadness of sin to a new life. And in Christ, when that happens, great and powerful changes take place in that person's life. Paul emphasizes that fact in the first half of his letter to the Ephesians. And then in the last chapters of of Ephesians, Ephesians, Paul reminds his readers that the enemies of the faith are out there. Enemies like postmodern thought. Enemies seeking to control our lives. And the only way that we can protect ourselves is by putting on the armor of God. As Tyler leads us in in looking what it means to, to be a follower of Jesus Christ over the next few weeks, I think that it's really important for us to realize that following Jesus Christ isn't always an easy thing to do. As Christian followers, sometimes we need to protect ourselves with the armor of God. So what armor is Paul talking about here? Well, first of all, Paul says, put on the belt of truth. Now, belts are pretty practical things, aren't they? They hold up our pants so our hands can be free. Uh, They give us a place where we can hang our cell phones if you have a holder. Belts help us to feel a little more comfortable when we meet people so that we don't have to worry. Well, the imagery here that Paul is giving us is that truth holds together all the other virtues and makes them effectual. Truth is what makes faith effectual in our lives, that that faith can take hold, that faith can be a part of our lives as a follower of Jesus Christ. Secondly, 
Paul tells us to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Isaiah talks about it in chapter 59, verse 17, when he says, put on the righteousness as a breastplate. Yet Paul gives us a more specific meaning. Paul tells us that that the purpose of a breastplate is to protect the most vital parts of our body. When a Christian is clothed in righteousness, our passions are redeemed and redirected. The drives and instincts of our lives move under the sway of the indwelling Holy Spirit. But more than that, death loses its sting. When we accept the grace of God, extravagantly given to us in the cross of Jesus Christ, death is defeated and eternity is ours. The breastplate of righteousness protects us, protects our souls, our lives, and saves us. Paul also talks about the sandals of peace. The caligal. The caligo are their military boots, and they were one of the most important parts of a Roman soldier's equipment. They were designed for, for long marches of every kind over different varieties of terrain. It's been written that the attention given to the soldier's sandals were the secret of the Roman conquest. Paul was trying to tell us that life is a long journey filled with many battles. Believing in Jesus Christ as as Lord and Savior gives us the strength we need to walk that journey faithfully and to endure to the end. But more than that, The old-time gospel message here is one of hope and victory. Gives us the stability of sure footing. We can march over the rough terrains of life, over the mountain passes of pain, through the deserts of fear and terror without giving up. We are called to get ready and to shod our feet with the gospel of peace. Next, we are to put on the shield of faith. One of the most dangerous weapons of ancient warfare was the fiery arrow. The points of the arrow, they were wrapped with flax and and hemp fiber, and they were soaked in pitch, and then they were set on fire before they were shot. Shields were covered with with layers of hide and were, were large enough that they could protect the whole body, even though the arrow could pierce the shield, the fire would be quenched. That's a great picture. Faith is a shield for all of us, guarding every believer against the attacks of the invisible and and visible enemies. But be careful, though. Paul never uses the word faith as glibly as postmodern thinkers would use the word. They used the word to refer to what we believe, but Paul is referring to here to the act of believing, not just what we believe, but acting like we believe it. My friends, faith is trusted obedience. 
It's our utter commitment, our utter dependence on Christ for our daily needs, as well as our ultimate salvation. It's our shield. And then Paul lists two other pieces of Christian armor, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. The helmet that Paul is talking about here in this passage protects our minds and symbolizes God's power and his readiness to save others. Paul sees this helmet of salvation as God's guarantee of divine protection and deliverance. The future consummation of the Christian's life is secure because because salvation has been given to us by God. Salvation, then, is not only forgiveness of our past sins, but it's strength to overcome, even conquer present and future sins. And then the sword of the Spirit, of course, that's the Word of God. The Word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, as Hebrews 4.12 puts it. Paul is challenging us, every one of us, to be open to God's word. It may be a, a word of comfort for one in emotional turmoil. It may be a word of hope for one's quivering soul. It may be a word of courage for trembling knees. It may be a word of, of challenge for one's apathy. Our sword, then, is the Bible. But it's more than that. The word of God makes, makes our hearts, the word of God comes alive in our hearts and in our, our lives as we witness to Christ's victory over sin and death. It's the inbreaking of God by his Holy Spirit, speaking to our spirits and through the spirits of others. And finally, Paul tells us, Pray and be watchful in the Spirit. Beloved, if you truly want to be watchful in the Spirit, you have to remember the past. You see, it's our past experiences of God's grace that we recognize the hope of things to come. We know that from our past experiences with God, that God is always there. He's always there to help us always there to stand with us, always there to love us. The Bible is a great source of God's, for God's people, and it has special meaning for Christians. It's our remembered past and our hope for the future. It's that old-time gospel filled with God's love. A pastor friend of mine shared a story one time about his son. And it seems that a friend of his son called one day. And my pastor friend answered the phone and the young man on the other end of the telephone said, can I talk to Scott? I have a problem with spiritual warfare. Well, my pastor friend was really proud of the fact that a friend of his son was calling and asking for spiritual advice from his son. Well, later on, he asked his son how it all went, and his son said, oh, it's fine. He just needed help getting to the next level of spiritual warfare, the Nintendo game. <laughs> Unfortunately, spiritual warfare 
isn't a game. For followers of Jesus Christ, it's real. And it's something that we all face every day. God gave us the armor that we need to protect ourselves from the spiritual attacks that come our way. He gave us the build of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, sandals of peace, a shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. And to all of that armor, we are told to add prayer. Prayer is so important if we're going to win the victory over life's battles. My friends, as followers of Jesus Christ, if you want to know how to hold on to that old-time religion in a postmodern world, just remember, we're fighting a spiritual battle every day, and we need to put on the armor of God's love and grace. And so all of us can sing, Give me that old-time religion, give me that old-time religion, give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me and you. The battles of life surround us, but the victory can be ours through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. Please pray with me.